appreciate the worship team. I appreciate Brother T. Michael Rambo. appreciate Brother Carlton bringing the scripture, the whole entire experience. For your glory, to we give ourselves away, to the pleasure we make to our families, and we wade in the water. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Also, before I get into the word, I do want to say we into the month of March. To all the March babies, happy birthday to you. Also, I'm excited because soon, I'd say the 7th, so I got about eight more days till my grandma get a chance to turn to eight, zero, 80 years young. So, appreciate that. And I do appreciate the prayers that y'all gave for my grandma. I just want to let you know she's doing well. She's recovering. She's at Episcopal Homes recovering. So, I do appreciate the prayers. After continued prayer. But I'm here to bring the word today. And so, before we get into the word, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give your name the glory, we give your name the honor, we give your name the praise, and we come to this time where we want to hear from you. Because God, when it comes to bringing the word, I am just a vessel willing to be used. So that the words of my heart, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, for you, O God, are my rock, my salvation, the one who validates me, and the one who sees me. So have your way in this time. Open our ears, open our hearts. Let us receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You pass me by every day, for I'm asking for your help. I've been told that it will come, but my hope is starting to come short. Healing, restoration, I believe it when it comes. Until then, I'm just going to be waiting until my true love comes. Because... I've been known as invalid, waiting to be validated. I'm wondering if you see me, because I'm in front of you every day. A question we all ask sometimes, do you see me? Because how many of us wanted people to see us, but instead they hold on to the old you? How many of us seek validation to be made whole for us to be restored? I want to bring you to John chapter 5, and I want to share the story with you from what we see in the text. So for, before we get into John chapter 5, let's get some t- context of what happened before that. And if I go in chronological order, chronologically, if we look at the four Gospels, we look at, Matthew, we look at Mark chapter 6. Because in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth after he was healing people. And when he went to his hometown of Nazareth, he came to the people, read from the scroll in the synagogue, and the people were like, amazed, hearing what he said. And then they were like, hold up. Ain't this Mary's son? Ain't this Joseph's boy? We already know him. And they still held on to Jesus, knowing about who his family was. And Jesus responded back, saying, a prophet is without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and his own home. He was rejected. There was a lack of faith, and they doubted in Jesus. And Jesus went from his hometown of Nazareth to Jerusalem is where we find ourselves in this text. And if you need a title of this message, the title of this message is, Do You See Me? But we find ourselves in John chapter 5, when Jesus was walking, going to Jerusalem because there was a feast for the Jews. He went to the sheep's gate, and if you go to Nehemiah, the sheep's gate was built during his time after the destruction of the temple. 
And when he came to the sheep's gate, there was a pool of water next to it, known as Bethesda, in Aramaic, which means the house of mercy. And we find ourselves where at this place, there was a multitude of people known as invalids, blind, paralyzed, lame. And we look at invalid in this context, it's talking about those who are sick, those who are in weak condition. But of all those people who were right there, there was one man that stood out to Jesus. This man who was 38, who was 38 years being invalid. And when I read this text, that just struck me, the word invalid. Like, for 38 years, he was right there. Paralyzed, lame, sick, in a weak state, there. Mind you, all the people who walked past him, seeking like, hey, maybe I get healing. Maybe I can go into this pool and be able to walk. Maybe I can get what I need. But every time, for 38 years, he was there, and people just walked past him, not caring about who he is, walking past him, not seeing, understanding his story, understanding what he's about, just walking past and ignoring like it's anything that hasn't happened. But this one incident, Jesus noticed him. You got a person who noticed this man, Jesus. And then what did Jesus ask him? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? I wonder how many times that man heard that. Hey, you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? He might have heard that so many times, but lost hope because every time he heard that, he told Jesus this. He said this right in the text how when he wants to be healed, that someone always comes in front of him. Always come in front of him. He said this in the text in verse 7. The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. Because when the water is stirred and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Because back then what they believed is that an angel came to the water and stirred it. And the first one that walks into it will get their healing. Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And he told Jesus what would happen all the time. So to me, sometimes I'll be thinking, did this man lose hope? But even after that, what did Jesus say? Get up. Take up your mat, take up your bed, and walk. Which kind of brings me to my first point in this message. Do you want to be healed? Take up your mat, take up your bed, and walk. Because, again, there are multiple people who were labeled invalid. And in this text, in this story, he gave us a, John gave us a list. And they're like this, and understand, like, yeah, there was this physically, but... How many of us are invalid on the spiritual level? How many of us are paralyzed, being blind, being lame? In other words, how many of us are invalid on the spiritual level? What do you mean, Isaiah? I'm glad you asked. We can be paralyzed spiritually, not moving because of fear, because we are drained from all the things in the world, and we don't even have any energy in us to keep fighting, to keep pressing on. We could be spiritually blind, ignoring the signs that God has been giving us. Because we live in our world, and we're not really seeing Jesus for who he is because he's right in front of us. But instead, we're not seeing him. We could be spiritually lame. It could be hard for us to walk 
because of everything. And each one thing that each of these people have in common is that even though they all face similar in common, like a physical disability, maybe they all they have in common is that they all maybe have lost hope because they've been in this situation for so long. What is there to hope left? But they still kept hope alive, even a small bit. But yet, Jesus comes asking them, do you want to be healed? Now, when it comes to being healed, I think Jesus is asking more than just being healed. Do you want to be set free? Do you trust me? Because in the healing, you got to trust that the person who's going to do the healing knows what they're doing. You got to trust, but even understand this. In the healing, sometimes we got a healing that we expect, but God knows what kind of healing that we actually need. This person, he was physically in a, in a bad space. He was sick. He was either laying, paralyzed, and God knew exactly the healing that he needs. So when he was healed, he was able to be a light, and he'd be able to know that it was God who did it. And, what, and imagine this, that God not only did he heal him, but I want you to take a quick look in this text. Because here's one thing I find interesting. Jesus didn't touch this man for him to be healed. Jesus did not touch him or carry him up. All that Jesus did was say the word, get up, take up your bed, walk. A lot of times, God has already given us the word for our healing, better question to ask is, are you going to walk? Are you actually going to take up that bed? That bed can symbolize so many things. That bed can symbolize your, peril, like your fear. That bed can symbolize all the hardships and things that you went on in your life, and God is telling you to pick it up. Walk. Do what I call for you to do. Live the life that I called you to live, but most importantly, understand that I got you. Because one of the things that even was like with Jesus, he, when the guy, when he told that guy, do you want to be healed? He didn't criticize when the guy responded because he knew that that guy was marginalized. He had no friends. He understood that. Instead, Jesus spoke to what he needed. So that man did what Jesus said. He picked up his bed and he walked. He kept walking and, and understand that when Jesus did this, it was a Sabbath. And the Sabbath day in Jewish custom, if you look at the Exodus 20, in Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments, it says, so six days you can rest. On the seventh day, six days you can work. But on the seventh day, rest. Because that's what God did. God created this whole entire world in six days. But on the seventh day, he rested. And next thing you know, they seen this man who was lame, this man who was crippled, this man who was sick, had his mat bed and walked. And they were like, hold up, hold up, hold up, pause. 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 Who told you to get up, take your bed and walk? Who told you? This is the Sabbath. You're breaking the law. Now, when I saw that, I was kind of like, all he did was just walk. All he did was take up his bed how was he breaking the Sabbath? How? Really, if I, last time I looked at these texts and I don't understand it, he really didn't break the Sabbath, but there were some additional laws that what they understood 
and what it means when it comes to Sabbath. Like, okay, this is permitted work, this is not permitted. It's basically man-made right there. But this guy, even though he's healed, he didn't know. He said that this man told me to just take my mat, take my bed, and just walk. And like, who is this man? He didn't know. Later on, Jesus found him in the temple, and Jesus told him, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing else may happen to you. Which brings me to my second point. You are well. Sin no more, nothing worse may happen to you. I'm using Jesus' words as the points, and here's the reason. When Jesus told this man to sin no more, a lot of times we might be thinking that it was due to this man's sin that he was, like he was paralyzed. It was due to this man's sin that everything is happening. But I believe there might be something different in that. I don't think Jesus meant that. I think like what Jesus meant when he said sin no more, and I heard this from one believer. This one believer says this. Jesus is suggesting that those who receive new life must also accept a transformed life. The healing, yes, the man was able to walk, but he was given a new life. He was, like you look at the text, he was known as the man who was lame for 38 years. Then over on, you see this man, he was known as sick. But after when Jesus healed him, you see in the text, he was known as the man who had been healed. God had given him new life. He kind of given a new identity because people seeing that he's been healed. But when you get healed, you are called to live a new transformed life. You are called to walk into that. You are called to be a light, to showcase that God's work inside you, showing what God has done. And the crazy thing is that after Jesus said, sin no more, that nothing worse may be happen to you, what could be worse? What could be worse? Maybe what could be worse is that being separated from God. What could be worse is that not being in his presence. What could be worse is just not living to our full potential and the world's missing the light that was in you. Like, God has given us everything that we need, and he wants us to fulfill it. Not only is he asking us, do we want to be healed? Not only is he asking us to walk, but he's also calling you to live. He is calling you to live. Don't stay in that rut. Don't stay in that same place. Get up, walk, live, and be the person who I called you. And even after with Jesus, the man told the people that it was Jesus, the people were mad. And Jesus told the people, because they were like, he healed on the Sabbath. This is wrong. He should never have done this. Jesus was like, my father's working until now. So am I. As long as my father's working, I'm working. Point three. So my father is working, so am I. Jesus is still working for you. Jesus is still fighting for you. Because, again, you have some of the Jews who religiously persecuted Jesus, giving him a hard time, but Jesus was led to know that I got to keep working. Jesus showed them 
what it meant to love your neighbor because they were mad about him working with Jesus. Like, I'm displaying to you the greatest commandment to love your neighbor as yourself, and yet you want to persecute me, get mad at me when I'm doing what you're supposed to be doing, the second greatest commandment. You're so worried about tradition. You're so worried about rules. You're so worried about the old things. But I'm trying to do a new thing. I'm working. So, and so is my father. Will you allow me to work in you? Because when I think about this story, I think about my own life. About how so many times I've been paralyzed by fear. Sometimes I feel like I'm in that bed of fear because I'll be worried about what other people think. I'll be paralyzed by fear because sometimes I'll be telling God I'm not qualified. I don't feel like I'm worthy to be used by you. But many times God's like, Isaiah, take up your bed and walk. I'm giving you new life. Don't sin no more. But understand that I'm still working on your behalf. I'm still fighting for you. I give you so many promises in my word for you to step into. Trust me and understand that I got everything under control. Will you allow me to heal you? Understand, more importantly, that nobody else sees you. I see you. I see you. This passage, it got a lot into it. But the main thing that you can see is that God sees us in the midst of everything that goes on. And most importantly, he never gives up on us. He never, ever, ever gives up on us. And Jesus even shown that on the cross. He's shown that on the cross. And as you know, this first Sunday, with the bread and with the cup, if you got your communion elements, go ahead and grab it. But I just want you to think about this. Jesus seen us. He knew everything about you. And he took that time to remember the sacrifice that he was going to make. Because when he had that time with his disciples, he understood that this is going to be his last supper with them. That's when he took the bread. And with this bread, he said, take, eat. This is my body, which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they all ate together. As he broke the bread, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, O God, and say, this is my blood of the new covenant. Poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins as often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me, and they all drank together. And even after all this, They sang hymns, they sang songs. But Jesus also took time to pray. 
And one of the prayers that Jesus gave to his disciples was this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive those who and forgive those who trust, forgive us our trespasses that we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And God, one thing I'm grateful about you is that you see us. Sometimes we might be like that man who was right there paralyzed. Sometimes we can be those who are stuck in a rut. And in the midst of all the challenges, in the midst of everything that goes on, you see us and you even come to us and ask us, do we want to be healed? And when we want that healing, all you need to do is just say that word, and what we need to do is just act upon it. So God, I just pray that we look at this scripture. I pray that we take this time and be reminded, not only that you see us, but understand that you walk with us. Understand that you are there for us. Understand that you validated us to be your children. Validated us with your love. Validated us by your promises. Give us new identity. Giving us new life. And giving us a reason to live. So I pray that we just remember the sacrifice that you made. And I pray also that the word that came forth, the scripture, and everything that would happen throughout this whole entire worship service. That will give us the fuel that we need to press on throughout this whole entire week. Because God, we trust you, we hold on to you, and we believe in you. And we give you that the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. That's all I have for the word. But I pray that it bless you. Command me again if you need those three points. The three points are mainly the words of Jesus. Get up, take your bed and walk, because do you want to be healed? The second point is Jesus saying, sin no more. Sin no more, for you are made well. And the third point, my father's working, so am I. If you need prayer, you want to come to Christ, looking for a body to join in, because I promise you, you're going to need to be connected in this time. Call the number 1-888-714-TIME. Again, 1-888-714-TIME. There are people who are on the other line ready to pray for you, ready to just be there for you, and I encourage y'all, call that number. Don't forget to give on campusconnects.com slash give it. You can give via Square, PayPal, or mail it to the church. Also, follow us on different platforms, on Facebook, Instagram. Go to the website to find us late information. But one of the things I want to encourage y'all is this. I know this week is going to be tough. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But if I can give you one thing I want you to take from this message and to be reminded is this. The words that Jesus said, my father is working, so am I. God is for us. Who can be against us? Understand that God is working. Let's trust him. Let's hold on to him. And let's always be reminded that no matter what, he's there for us.
I pray this word bless you. Looking forward to next week. Until then, peace.